Welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode four. So I wanted to start by telling you a story that I already told on Instagram, so I'm sorry to those who have to hear it again. Um, But actually, I'm not sorry because it's an awesome story. I was getting ready to record this podcast and I was doing some last minute finishing touches and all of a sudden I started seeing crazy spinning flashing lights all over my vision and I knew immediately what it was when I was about I'm actually not a hundred percent sure on the ages it was either like 13 to 15 it was probably 13 to 15 um, I used to get horrible, awful, chronic, severe migraines. But when I was about 15, I they just disappeared and never came back. So today when I was trying to prepare, all of a sudden I see these lights. And these lights are very, um, they're a very specific kind of light. And even though I hadn't seen them for 20 years, I immediately knew what they were. These were migraine flashing spinning lights. And when I was experiencing these when I was younger, anytime I would see those lights, I knew with 100% accuracy that I was about to have a horrible migraine. And so when I saw these, I just instantly felt like I wanted to cry and they lasted. They had been lasting for like half an hour. They weren't going away. And it was bad enough that I, I was still trying to prepare for this and I could not read what was on my page because the lights were getting in the way. My husband had left the house to go run an errand about a half an hour away. And I texted him and told him about what was happening. And he said, do you need me to come home? And I told him, no, I, I'm not in pain right now, but I'm so nervous that this is going to be just like when I was younger and that I'm going to start getting these migraines again. And it is not going away. I've been waiting. I've been hoping it was just going to last a few minutes and it's not going away. And right after I texted that and between his next text, all of a sudden it was like some magician snapped their fingers and made the lights disappear. And it was so dramatic that it was startling to me because it was like, it was just instantaneous. They were gone. And then right after they were gone, I got a text from my husband that said, I just said a prayer for you. I hope, I hope you're, you'll be okay. Or something like that. I knew that that snap of the finger was God. Those lights disappeared as soon as he said his prayer, and I'm a little ashamed to say that I hadn't said a prayer yet, but God took that migraine away because he knew that I needed to do this podcast. And I know that he's supporting me in this. So let's get started with these chapters. I intended to get all the way to chapter seven, but I still didn't. And I still have so much content that I am not going to try to get to chapter seven because we have plenty of great things to talk about. So I'm not going to make it through the whole story. So you're going to have to go in and finish all the way till chapter seven. You haven't yet. So in chapter three, the Gadiantans have become so numerous that the Nephites and the Lamanites unite and they're converted and they live as one. Laconius is the governor 
and he receives a letter from Gideonhai, who is the governor of the Gadiantans. And he basically says, I admire you and your firmness, but we're powerful and it seems a pity that we should destroy you. (laughs) So join us and learn our ways so we don't have to kill you. Of course, there are lots of different ways that Laconius could have reacted. And it makes me think about how do I react when the devil sends his forces against me? The devil might say of his spirits that he has control over that they have an unconquerable spirit and that they have everlasting hatred toward me because I have a body and they don't. That's what Gideonhai said to Laconius, that the that the Gadiatans he had under his command had an unconquerable spirit and ever, everlasting hatred toward you. And I think that the devil can say the same thing, that the spirits that he has control over hate me and they hate all of us because we have a body and they don't. The devil might say to me, yield yourself unto me and unite with us and become acquainted with our secret works, aka just give up. He might pretend like Gideonhai did, to feel for your welfare and tell you that trying to obey the commandments is out of your capabilities. The devil might pretend that he will support you in wickedness, but ultimately, of course, we know that he will be lying because his ultimate goal is to hurl our souls to hell, as we learned that phrase a few episodes ago. How does Laconius react? When he receives this letter, he is astonished because of the boldness of Gideonhai. And he knows that the people have not wronged the Gadiantans, like he says, but that they have wronged themselves by choosing to go with the Gadiantans. Have you ever encountered that in yourself? How the the Gadiantans are feeling toward the Nephites? Have you ever projected anger on the church or your family because of choices you made that brought you pain? There is a reason that, as Nephi said to Laman and Lemuel in 1 Nephi chapter 1, verse 16, quote, the guilty taketh the truth to be hard, for it cutteth them to the very center, close quote. It is hard to hear when we are wrong. When we have created our own pain through the choices we made, we know that God is just and perfect. So there have to be consequences And disobeying the commandments of God always results in a withdrawal from the Spirit. And when you don't have the Spirit, you have drifted far from God, and your spirit is in pain. We need to own that when we make decisions that cause that. Don't be like the Gadiantans and try and blame other people. And that doesn't mean that your circumstances aren't incredibly hard and that no one ever wronged you. That might also be true. But even if... That is true. Spiritual pain is a result of how you handled your choices. Did you choose during these hard times, whether someone wronged you or not? Did you choose to cling to God? Did you choose to go and do? Did you choose humility? Did you choose meekness? Did you choose to have faith and follow the commandments when things got got hard? That creates faith. And when the faith you could muster didn't seem to be enough, did you ask him to help make up for your lack of faith? In chapter 3, verse 13, it says that Laconius sent a proclamation among all the people that they should gather together their women and their children and their flocks and their herds and all their substance, save it were their land, into one place. 
And he caused that fortifications should be built round about them, and that their and the strength thereof should be exceedingly great. And he caused that armies, both of the Nephites and of the Lamanites, or all of them who were numbered among the Nephites, should be placed as guards round about to round about to watch them, to guard them from the robbers day and night. Let's talk about some of the reactions that Laconius and the people could have had. They could have run. They could have chosen to run, abandon their land, abandon their united area that they've they've come to and allowed the Gadiantans to just take over. So in applying that to you, when the devil is throwing all he has at you, you could allow fear and confusion to shake you enough that you run away and end up lost and wandering. You could hide and shirk your responsibilities because it's just too hard. You could decide that since you can't understand right now why something is happening and you don't understand everything right now or convince yourself that you weren't made for this and that you need to run and escape the pain, you could do all of those things. It might feel good for the moment to run from your problems. It allows you to disconnect from the things that are painful or confusing And it allows Satan to convince your brain that you don't need God and that you'll be just fine on your own. To convince you that things are better when you aren't trying to be so perfect. But then ultimately, where are you left? Lost and alone. Trying to fill the space of spirituality with substitutes that can never fill you completely. Some of those substitutes are may be good for you things, and some of them might be bad for you things. But good or bad, if they have become a substitute for God, they are a cheap substitute for the reality that your spirit needs the Savior, and you cannot fill that need with a substitute. Christ says to the woman at the well in John four fourteen, But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Nothing else can give that to you. Nothing. Option two, join. We always have the option to give in to the adversary. Laconius and his people had the option to give in to the Gadiantans and join them. So for us, whether that is succumbing to temptation or allowing Satan into our hearts during our hardest times, it was part of the plan. We were given agency and we can always choose to join the adversary. But unfortunately, as Mormon interjects in Alma 30 verse 60 says, thus we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, but doth speedily drag them down to hell. He will not support you. You can join him, but there will be no support there after he uses you. He will use you to destroy others and yourself. Option three. The Nephites could have chosen to attack the Gadiantans and fight without the unity that gathering into one body can bring. It says in chapter three, verse 20, Now the people said unto Gidgadoni, who was the chief captain, Pray unto the Lord, and let us go upon the mountains and into the wilderness, that we may fall upon the robbers and destroy them in their own lands. Gidgadoni is wise and righteous, and he knows the Lord's will, and he knows that he wants them to stay 
in one body and gather and be there with their provisions and their fortifications. There is a reason that we are sent here in families. We are sent to spouses and wards and specific friends. We are stronger when we rely on the Lord together with each other. Gid Gadoni said that this was not the will of the Lord, that they were to prepare and gather in the center of their lands where their fortifications and supplies were and where the nourishment is. Which brings me to option four, unite, defend, fortify, and fight. Let's talk about that word unite. We were not sent here alone. We were sent here in families and wards and good friends and to a a day and time where we have a prophet and leaders and, of course, our ultimate partner, the Savior. You were never meant to stand alone. No matter your circumstances, he has not left you alone. The Nephites and Lamanites rallied together in one location. They prepared, they brought all their substance to one place, made strong fortifications, placed guards around them to watch for attacks, and most importantly, they cried to the Lord for forgiveness and strength. We need to be preparing our families, wards, friends, the church in this way. We need to gather, maybe not physically, but gather spiritually and mentally. We need to turn toward each other. One of my best friends, Jenny and I were talking on Marco Polo the, the other day, and she was showing me a sign she has over her table, and it says, gather. And I think it's perfect. What a great reminder to have in your home. When I imagine gathering, I imagine a focus on each other. I imagine being united in heart and mind. Are we helping to keep our families and friends and wards safe? Now, of course, everyone has agency and are responsible for themselves, but are we preparing? Are we adding to the spiritual strength that we have as a group? Are you bearing your testimony to your family? Are you encouraging good activities that invite the spirit? Are you celebrating righteousness and the good intentions of those around you? President Nelson says, In coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. He also said, Quote, we also hear him more clearly as we, re- we refine our ability to recognize the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. It has never been more imperative to know how the Spirit speaks to you than right now. In the Godhead, the Holy Ghost is the messenger. He will bring thoughts to your mind, which the Father and Son want you to receive. He is the comforter. He will bring a feeling of peace to your heart. He testifies of truth and will confirm what is true as you hear and read the word of the Lord. I renew my plea for you to do whatever it takes to increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation. Doing so will help you know how to move ahead with your life, what to do during times of crisis, and how to discern and avoid the temptations and deceptions of the adversary. Close quote. So in that quote, he's talking to you more as an individual, but I think we can apply it to our families as well. We need to be relying on the Holy Ghost to guide and direct our family. Think about if you are doing the things that the Lord has commanded you to do, like, come follow me. President Nelson said in the last general conference about come follow me, quote, 
Our gospel study curriculum, Come Follow Me, will continue to bless your lives. Your consistent efforts in this endeavor, even during those moments when you feel that you are not being particularly successful, will change your life, that of your family and the world. We will be strengthened as we become even more valiant disciples of the Lord, standing and speaking up for Him wherever we are. Close quote. I want to read a post this week that I put out there on Instagram this week. And if you are not following me on Instagram, you should. It's come follow me underscore with Bree. So the post said, how do you think Lehi, Moses, or Alma taught their kids the gospel? Pinterest worthy lessons with creative games and art projects to accompany? Don't get me wrong. Those are great. But don't let the idea that that is the only thing that is good enough, stop you from just reading the scriptures with your kids. Because I'm pretty sure that that is what the prophets of old did. I've talked about it a little bit on Instagram, but you would think since I am doing this podcast, you might think that I am this big planner and I do all these amazing lessons for my kids. I really don't. I am not a planner. I don't have it all together. And honestly, this podcast is keeping me on track to make sure that I'm studying what I'm supposed to be studying and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's helping keep keep me accountable. But I am not that person. But I also know that that is okay. And it's okay for you too. We are so blessed to have modern day revelation. We are not left alone We are being gathered by the Savior. He is gathering us for a wise purpose. And when we are gathered and united together in families, wards, friendships, and as a church, we are stronger than when we are alone. But don't miss the key part of these groups, the Savior. The Savior will not leave us alone. He said in Doctrine and Covenants 8488, And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also, for I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts, and mine angels round about you to bear you up. Just as a side note, one of the things that test us here on earth is that everyone in any group, whether it be family, friends, wards, has agency. Each person gets to choose for themselves. And, and although you might be turning to them and to God and trying to do what you should, they might not choose to do that with you. They might choose one of the other choices. They might run. They might join. And the only thing that you or I can do is have faith that the Lord has them in his hands and that whatever their choices are, He has a plan for them that is so much wiser and greater and more effective than anything that I can imagine. And so my only job is to love them and continue to fight for them and have faith that the Lord has them in his hands. So they, the Nephites, continue to prepare and keep their provisions with them in the center of the land. Because the people had deserted their lands, the robbers had no way to get food because the land was deserted and there wasn't any food to plunder or animals to kill because the Nephites had left their land desolate. So the Gadiantans had to come to battle against the Nephites 
because they were going to starve, and the only way they could get food is to steal from them. They came to battle, and the Gadians, the, the Gadians, <laughs> there's too many G words in this chapter, <laughs> Gadians, Gidgadoni, made themselves look super scary. They were painted in blood and shaved their heads and their armor, and when the Nephites saw them, they fell on the earth and cried to God that he would spare them. And the Gadiantans got super excited because when they saw this, they thought that the Nephites had fallen in fear. But in 4.10, it says, But in this thing they were disappointed, for the Nephites did not fear them, but they did fear their God and did supplicate him for protection. Therefore, when the armies of Gid Gidgidianhi, there's a G word again, of Gidgidianhi did rush upon them, they were prepared to meet them. Yea, in the strength of the Lord, they did receive them. They did not ask the Lord to change their circumstance. They didn't say, please make the Gadiantans disappear or just turn around and leave us alone forever. They prayed to be strengthened in their circumstance. They still had to fight. It was still a great and terrible battle. So terrible that, quote, there never was known so great a slaughter among all the people of Lehi since he left Jerusalem. Close quote. Some of them died, but they defeated the Gadiantans. Ask yourself, how often are you praying for your circumstance to change? And how often are you asking for the strength to bear the circumstance? I know that I've prayed for a circumstance to change, and usually it doesn't. Because ultimately, most of my trials are good for me, even though I might not see it at the time. I spent years praying for a circumstance to change. My oldest daughter was diagnosed with OCD when she was eight. And let me tell you, OCD is not this quirky, funny disorder that you imagine from the movies. It was horrible. It was, if, um, it was as if a monster had entered into my daughter's mind and was burying her. When she was in the deepest depths of this, it was the absolute hardest time of my entire life. Normally for me, when I have problems, I am one that talks to the people I'm closest to. I'm, pr I'm a pretty open book. But with this, it felt like my daughter was never going to live a normal life, and I could not talk about it. I had never felt so deeply devastated, so devastated that I couldn't even talk about it to those I loved. It lasted a couple of years of ups and downs and tons of therapy, and there was a lot of praying that the circumstance would change. Eventually, I got to thinking about healing miracles, and I told my husband that I 100% believe that if it were God's will, that God could heal her through a priesthood blessing. I wanted him to try to give her a blessing of healing, and I told him that I in no way was required him requiring that he say anything that he didn't feel. But I also wanted him to take a few days to make sure that he was in tune with the spirit so that he wouldn't be restrained by his own mind or fear of saying the wrong thing in any way. Before the blessing, he and I knelt in our room and I said one of the most heartfelt prayers I have ever prayed. I told Heavenly Father that it was okay if he didn't heal her, but that I believed with everything in me that he could. I told him 
that I would accept whatever happened or didn't happen. But I wanted Daniel to do this blessing because maybe it was his will, and maybe we just needed to have faith to ask. Daniel gave her a beautiful blessing. He blessed her with strength to deal with OCD and many other things. But he did not feel prompted to heal her. After the blessing, I felt peace. I felt that we had done our part and that we were truly, for the first time in this circumstance, submissive to his will. But you know what happened nearly immediately after that blessing? She has been so strong. There was a huge difference. She was able to apply all of the things that we had been struggling to apply for years. She has been supported by the Lord and able to take complete or at least nearly complete control over OCD. OCD was not healed that day, but the Lord gave her strength to deal with it, to fight it, to move forward and function normally. And now when we move forward to looking at her today, I can hardly notice OCD having any effect over her. It was not some imaginary thing. It was real. And he has given her strength to deal with it. And now looking back, it was such a blessing that her onset of OCD was so young. Most people with OCD don't experience the onset until they are older. But because she was so young, we were able to figure out how to deal with it while she was young and the stakes were lower. And now we and she are powerfully equipped to deal with it. We have the Lord and all the amazing resources that we have been led to. I don't think that OCD is gone. It could intensify at any point. But I have seen God strengthen us and help us know how to help her. And I especially have seen God strengthen her. And now that I am not in the depths of the intensity of the circumstance, our experience with OCD has made us much better parents. It has made me a better friend. It has made me mentally healthier and therefore my children mentally healthier. It has made me stronger. It has humbled me and it has reminded me that relying on the Lord is necessary in this life and that relying on him is the only way. God may not change your circumstance, but he can support you and he will strengthen you if you are humble and submissive to his will. Thanks for listening today, and I encourage you to share with anyone you think could use a little bit of extra strength this week. Use this Sunday to think about any circumstances that are hard for you in your life right now, and think about if you're asking Heavenly Father to change your circumstance, or if you're asking for greater strength to either bear it or help change the circumstance yourself. See you again next week. I guess not see talk to you again next week. <laughs>